Won't it be wonderful there? Amen. Hallelujah. I can't imagine. Uh, I've got to go have a, a pain block or a nerve block in my back. and I, I can't imagine a life without pain. We're, we're just accustomed to it. I've lived in it so long every day that you just so grow accustomed to it being there. I can't imagine a life without pain. Um, the, uh, the, the jobs that I have down here is first to preach the gospel. I can't imagine uh, a land where there will be no gospel that's being preached. Amen, that's right. But everybody there will be saved already. And uh, most of my adult life, I've been in the pharmacy business and can't imagine not dealing with sick folk on a daily basis. People in pain and hurting, but there, there they'll not be found. And uh, sort of a funny story, we're going on vacation and uh, in the state of Kentucky is wanting, uh, wanting as many technicians as possible to get certified to give immunizations <laughs> And so they approached me, and then I've done all the training. Uh, but, but there's one thing that I've not done that I've got to be observed doing, and that's actually giving somebody a shot. So I asked my sweetheart back there, I said, how bad do you want to go shopping while we're gone? Because I need a guinea pig. And she's graciously agreed to be a pincushion for my practicing. So uh, that'll cost me at these Tanger Malls this week. I'm quite certain of that. But, uh, but thankful that she's willing to do that. But I can't imagine uh, a place where there'll simply be no more sickness or death. No graveyards. No funerals. Um, but won't it be wonderful indeed? Uh, is anything on your heart before we go any further? Uh, I'm going to ask you to turn. I'll try to be brief. I'm, I'm hurting a little and I know that it's, time's got away from us. Um, but I'm going to ask you to turn to Exodus chapter 25. And then 1 Samuel chapter number 6. And uh, in Sunday school this morning, uh, Brother Joe had, had said that uh, Brother Philip had said something last week that had stuck with him. Uh, Brother Sam had said something last week that stuck with me. And, uh, and I don't know altogether if I'll preach on exactly what he was talking about, but I will sort of touch on it a little bit. And, uh, and we've got a copy of those Ten Commandments that he was referring to right over there. And, uh, and, and so um, the, uh, there was sin in the world before the commandments were given. We know this. Uh, from Adam to Moses, there was no written law of God, uh, but men were still dying because Adam sinned. So, uh, even though there was no written law of God at that time, there was a law that God gave unto Adam, and it was passed down on the way that you had to make your approach unto God. And the only way that you could approach one so holy after that man fell, and after that Adam sinned, the only way you could make your approach unto God was with blood and with sacrifices. And uh, so that was passed down. So even though there was no written law, death reigned from Adam to Moses. And so men were still held accountable in that sense. Uh, but since the time that the law was given, mankind is absolutely held accountable to that law of God. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about that. Uh, so in Exodus chapter number 25 and verse 10... Uh, this is the direction that God gave unto Moses. 
And he said, They shall make an ark of Shedem wood. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And they shall overlay it with pure gold. Within and without shalt thou overlay it, and shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it, and put them in the four corners thereof, and two rings shall be in the one side of it, and two rings in the other side of it. And thou shalt make staves of Shedem wood, and overlay them with gold. And they shall put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark, that the ark may be born with them. The staves shall be in the rings of the ark, they shall not be taken from it, and thou shalt put into that ark the testimony which I shall give thee. That was the Ten Commandments. The ark of the covenant contained the testimony or the commandments that God gave to Moses. That was why he was told to make it. And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold. Of beaten work shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. And make one cherub on the one end and the other cherub on the other end, even of the mercy seat, that ye shall make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. And the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look one to another, Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony, of all things which I will give to thee in commandment, and to the children of Israel. Um, in 1 Samuel chapter number 6 and verse 19, uh, this is when the ark that Moses built and his people built, um, the ark was carried forth into battle with the Philistines. And the Philistines uh, defeated Israel in this battle because God was not with them at this battle because of their wickedness and they're turning away from God. So the Philistines had taken the ark and during that time that the Philistines had the ark, God smote the Philistines with plagues and God smote the gods of the Philistines before the ark of the covenant. And so they were trying to figure out how to return this ark and get it away from them for God had uh, had smote the Philistines with a plague. So they uh, had loaded the cart on some donkeys, I guess, or some cattle, and sort of turned them loose. And they came to Beth Shemesh, and in verse 19 of chapter 6 in 1 Samuel, it says, And he smote the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. Even he smote of the people fifty thousand and threescore and ten men. And the people lamented because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. And the men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? And to whom shall he go up from us? And I'll stop there. <clears throat> um, you might think that 
What in the world is all of that got to do with today? That a box that was created about 3,500 years ago uh, would still have an influence or an impact or a type or something to say. Uh, but, but you must understand when God called Moses up to the top of Mount Sinai, uh, God instructed Moses, God hewn two tables of stone out from the mountain and with the finger of God He wrote the Ten Commandments that you see right there. Uh, the commandments were the law of God. It was a glimpse into the very heart, mind, and soul of God. It was commandments. It's not just to teach us how to live. That's not what the Ten Commandments are about. The Ten Commandments stand apart to tell the children of Israel and now to tell the whole world uh, that they are thou shalt not. It is the way that, that God is saying, I am holy. And because I am holy, I require you to be holy also. Uh, the law of God was given, as Paul said in the New Testament, uh, that it might be a schoolmaster uh, to bring us unto Christ. Uh, I've heard it said by uh, Charles Spurgeon of, uh, in the 1800s, he said uh, quite uh, profoundly that the law is like a mirror. Uh, you ladies and, and, and men, uh, if you hold a mirror up to your face, uh, you will be able to see the blemishes. Uh, you'll be able to see. Uh, I've looked into uh, into one of those magnifying mirrors, and it magnifies every blemish that you've got. Uh, but uh, and it sort of startles you uh, when you take a look at how you truly are, and uh, you're sort of taken aback by that. Uh, but guess what? Uh, the mirror can show you the blemishes, but the mirror cannot take those blemishes away. All it can do is show you your imperfections. That's what the law does. The law cannot save you. All it can do is show you that God is holy and that man is sinful. That's what the law does. Paul said, I have not known sin except it had been by the law. I've told the story on our honeymoon and it's funny, but there's some truth behind it how that there was a, a law in a place of a miniature golf course and it had a sign with a stuffed alligator, do not touch this. And my wife took one look at that and bless her heart, she done what many of us would have done. She said, Benji, I wouldn't have ordered to touch that had there not been a sign that told me I couldn't. You see, man does not like to be told what to do. In our nature, we do not like for us to say, Thou shalt not. But here's the thing. That law came from the mind and the heart of God. And if you've broken one of them, you're guilty of breaking all of them. Uh, so if you've broken one law, and by nature each and every one of us has broken the law, and nobody has always put God before anything, and nobody has perfectly obeyed their mom and dad, and nobody has never told a lie, uh, so the question remains, what can you do or what will you do about the law? Because the law has pronounced you guilty. 
I'm not trying to be hateful. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. But I'm trying to get your consciences awake today under the fact that according to the law of God, you are guilty. I am guilty. I have broken uh, several of those commandments. I've never killed anybody in cold blood. But Jesus said that if you have anger in your heart towards your brother, then you are guilty of hate. And hate is guilty of murder. Uh, He said if you've ever looked at a woman uh, to lust after her, uh, then my friend in your heart, you have already committed adultery. So in other words, you've already broken the holy law of God. The law is holy and the law is just and the law is good. Uh, Paul said the law by occasion, uh, it, it slew me by the commandment. The law came, sin revived, and I died. Uh, so the law will show you how far you are from God. And the law is more than those Ten Commandments. But those Ten Commandments were placed inside that Ark of the Covenant made of Shedem wood. Uh, that was an uncorruptible wood. Uh, that portrayed the humanity of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, But contained inside of that Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony were those Ten Commandments. But they weren't put out on display like we have them here. In ancient Israel, uh, believe it or not, you might say, Preacher, did a place like this ever exist? Yes, sir. It was inside the Holy of Holies. Inside the temple, that, inside the tabernacle that Moses built, and later inside the temple that Solomon built. And there was a place on this earth at one time where God would come down in His glory and talk with mankind. It was the commandments weren't put on display for all to see, but they, the law was kept inside of that ark. And on top of that ark, uh, thank God there was a mercy seat made of pure gold. That mercy seat of pure gold uh, represents the uh, the divine nature of the Son of God. Uh, But the mercy seat was on top of the law. You must understand that. Uh, But there was a place that God would come down. It was a place that man was forbidden to go in. Uh, There were no seats in the tabernacle or in the temple. And the men could come into the tabernacle. But there was a place that was separated by a veil, by a curtain. And inside of that, there was no lamp, there was no chair, there was no light. Uh, The only thing, uh, one time a year, a high priest would go in behind the veil, behind the curtain, and he would go in there standing on the dirt floor with no light about him, uh, just in total darkness, uh, with a cherubim on one side of him and a cherubim on the other side of him, uh, in pure darkness standing before the mercy seat. And he would stand there, and all at once the glory of God would come down. And God Himself uh, would sit on that mercy seat. Uh, that mercy seat wasn't made for a place for a man to sit down. If you went in that place, and sat down before you ever touched it, you would literally drop dead. Preacher, did a place like that exist on this earth? Yes, sir. It was so holy and it was so set apart and it was so sanctified. Because why? Because contained within that ark 
was the law of God. It was the mouth of God. It was the soul of God saying, Thou shalt not. But what can you do about the law that you've already broken? So that priest would go in always with the blood one time a year. Uh, the only thing that was brought in from the outside into that holy of holy places was blood. And he would go in with a basin or a bucket of blood. And he would stand there. And when the glory of God came down and began to talk with that high priest, that high priest would begin to sprinkle the blood upon the gold, upon the mercy seat. Uh, that blood, my friend, uh, would sanctify that mercy seat every time the blood touched it the mercy seat was sanctified the law then was satisfied by the blood by the blood the law was satisfied but we find it that the ark had been taken the ark had been taken by the Philistines and the men of the Philistines said how do we get this thing back away from us and they loaded it up and it came to Bethshemesh and those men of Beth Shemesh looked inside the ark. And the Bible says 50,070 men were killed. I've read commentaries that said that number is inaccurate. That it should have just been 70, not 50,070. I'm just telling you what the book says. It says 50,070. And quite honestly, the number don't matter. Quite honestly, the number is not the thing you ought to focus on. But every commentary that I read, that's what they focused on. Was it 50,070 or was it 70? Now, my friend, the thing you ought to focus on was why did those people die? It's because they looked inside and they looked at the law of God. And when they looked at the law of God, there was nobody, my friend, upon the mercy seat. There was nobody there. There was no blood that was covering the law. If the only thing you know about God are those commandments, you're living in death and hell. That's all that awaits you. Uh, preacher, as long as you live your best life and follow those commandments, i got news for you. You can't keep the very first one, much less the other nine. I am God, and thou shalt have no gods before me. You can't keep that. You can't, it can't be done except one man, Jesus Christ. He came to fulfill the law, not to destroy it, but He came to fulfill it. So those men at Beth Shemesh looked inside of the law. My friend, if you are ever going to have your conscience awakened, I can remember being a lost sinner. That law got a hold of me one night. It wasn't really hell that scared me so much. I didn't have time really to think about hell. But that law was placed inside my members. For the first time, my conscience had been opened. And I was looking inside the mind of God and inside the heart and soul of God. I knew that by the law, I was guilty. I had been pronounced guilty. And my friend, you have been pronounced guilty. Now just lock them up. Hell-bound sinners, every last one of us. But brother, there was a mercy seat. I'm glad there was a mercy seat. That mercy seat was a place where God would commune with mankind. It was the only place on planet earth where God would come down in His glory and talk with mankind. 
and make an atonement on the mercy seat and the blood would come down that and land upon that covenant and by the blood running down the mercy seat, the mercy seat covered the law. The law was satisfied by the blood atonement. And so all of that 3,500 years ago was pointing us to what took place 2,000 years ago. Outside of Jerusalem, at a place called Calvary, another mercy. This isn't the mercy seat. What you see here, it's an altar. It's a mourner's bench. It's many things. But the mercy seat is no longer on this earth. The mercy seat today is at the right hand of the Father. Amen. He is our mercy seat. In other words, if you, they, those men of Bethshemesh, they approached God and His holy law with no blood, with nobody on the mercy seat. But if you want to approach God today, it'll have to come through and by that blood of our Redeemer, of our mercy seat. Calvary is now the place where God speaks with man. Calvary is now the place where God and man are reconciled and can meet together. My friend, I want you to understand this. Understand it very clear. That priest in the Old Testament, he would have to take the blood. He would have to take it without spot and without blemish. A perfect sacrifice. He would walk in there and stand. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that Jesus Christ uh, once He died at the cross of Calvary, poured forth His blood. Uh, the Bible teaches us in Hebrews that the true Holy of Holies was not in that temple. As a matter of fact, when the Lord Jesus said it is finished and bowed His head and gave up the ghost, the veil, that curtain that separated that holy place was torn in half from top to bottom. In other words, that holy of holies no longer was needed. Because now, Jesus Christ, their forerunner, has entered into heaven itself, which is now the holy of holies, the holiest of all. And my friend, He went into heaven itself with the basin of His own blood. And He presented His blood before the mercy seat of the Father. And the blood ran down the mercy seat. And the blood of Jesus Christ covered the law. And it's by grace you can stand in faith. My friend, the blood covers the law. Don't you ever forget that. There is a mercy seat. And my friend, if you want to die lost without God, you don't have to do some great thing. Matter of fact, you don't have to do anything. You just live your life unrepentant and you'll go straight to hell when you depart this life. Why? Because you've got the law of God. Because you're going to have to do something with the law. What are you going to do with it? It's there. It's pronounced judgment. If you broke one of those laws, you know what the penalty was? It was death. It was death. If you broke any of them, you were held guilty. Some of you say, Preacher, I've never been accountable. And you're getting on up in years. I'm not calling you a liar. Maybe you've never felt accountable. i got news for you. That's only because Satan has blinded your eyes and your heart 
so you wouldn't see the glorious gospel. If if you're unblinded this morning, I want you to know in absolute certain terms that law makes you accountable to God. It holds men accountable. We live in a time where nobody, our politicians, they sure aren't held accountable. The, The people on the streets that have burned their cities to the ground, they've not been held accountable by our law. The law of man has changed over time. The law of God has never changed. It's not man's law that you're going to stand in judgment by, but it is the law of God that has already pronounced every man, woman, boy, and girl guilty beyond measure with no excuse. No excuse. If all you know of God is the law, you know nothing but fear and trembling. You'd fear before the law. If the law ever one time got a hold to you, you understood what sin is. You understood as that magnifying mirror. I looked in one one day, and I thought, and I said to my wife, man, when did I get so old looking? I'm telling you, it magnified everything. Every wrinkle, every age spot, every blemish. You know what I did? I flipped that back around to the regular side. I didn't want to see what I was looking at. If you ever look into the law of God, you'll find out how unholy and wicked we truly are. That's the purpose of the law. Not to save you, but to drive you to the one that can save you. The purpose of the law is so you can fall down and say, Lord God, I'm a guilty sinner. You can fall down as that publican did and just say, Lord, be merciful to me a sinner. Your law has said I'm guilty. I can't deny the fact that I'm guilty. There is a record that shows I'm guilty. There is a judgment that proves I'm guilty. There is a bar, a throne of God that will be pronounced and men will enter into outer darkness where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And they'll go to that place because they broke the law. But the good news, as Brother Joe was talking this morning about good news, the good news is, my friend, there's a mercy seat. There's a mercy seat. Say it with There is a mercy seat that covers the law. That the law, uh, once a man is saved, if you approach God by the right way, by the blood of the perfect Lamb of God, you know, in Abraham's day, he started to sacrifice his own son. And Isaac said, My father, we've got everything we need. We've got the wood and we've got the fire. But where is the lamb? Where's the lamb, Daddy? And Abraham said, Son, God will provide Himself a lamb. Thousands of years went by. Waiting for that lamb. Matthew doesn't mention it. Mark doesn't mention it. Luke doesn't mention it. Bless your heart when you get to John's Gospel. In the first chapter, you read the words of Jesus' friend, the one whom He loved. And John the Baptist was there. And John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb had appeared. 
That lamb is the mercy seat. If that lamb is your hope, without that lamb and without his blood, that when he went into the holiest of all, he entered into the throne room of God. And you know what the Bible said? There he presented his own blood before the Father. The Father looked at the blood and it ran down the mercy seat in the tabernacle of the Most High. The law has now been satisfied. God's wrath has now been appeased for all who come by that Lamb of God. If you come to God on those terms, you will die. You will die. No matter how hard you try to keep them, you can't. But, if you come to God by the prescribed method, if you don't look inside that ark and see the law staring back at you, with no blood on the mercy seat. If you go in there, if you go in before God with boldness, coming through and by the blood of His Son, Lord God, I'm a sinner, and the law says I'm guilty, and there's nothing I can do to be saved. The law can't save me. Every time I read it, I just feel more condemned and more guilty and go to Him, and He will give you rest, like I said. Last week, He said, Come unto Me. And I'll give you rest. There is no rest in that law. There's no mercy in that law. There's no grace in that law. As a matter of fact, as God was writing out with His own finger the law of God, the Bible said Mount Sinai was on fire. The people couldn't even come touch the mountain. God said, Moses, go down and tell the people, don't break through. If you break through and touch the mountain, you'll die. And the men looked up at the mountain and they saw Moses ascend up into the place where God was. And the smoke and the fire covered Mount Sinai. And God thundered those words. God thundered His law. God thundered them down in the ears of all the people. But there was no mercy or grace Mercy and grace come by Jesus Christ. That's how mercy and grace came. He was anointed with the oil of gladness above His fellows. When He was baptized in John and Jordan, the Spirit of God descended upon Him in its fullness like it has descended upon no other man and nor ever shall again. But He in His own body bore the fullness of the Spirit of God. And He walked and He lived and He healed and He preached and He taught and He worshipped and He prayed and He preached some more and He saved and He healed and He was crucified and He was resurrected and He ascended with His own power. He is the only one that would dare, that could dare to look inside the law of God and say, Father, I've kept it perfectly. In its entirety, the law has now been satisfied because our covenant head, our representative of mankind, has satisfied the perfect wrath and justice of the law. Fulfilled all demands. He satisfied the judgment, dear friend. 
So those of us who have put our faith and our trust in Him and that blood that He presented that now is in the Holy of Holies, that blood that still runs down in the tabernacle of the Most High, that blood that still covers the law, it's that blood you'll find grace that we read in Sunday school in 1 Peter that we're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of a lamb without spot, without blemish. Amen. And that blood has covered the law of God in my heart. That law is still holy. That law still makes me tremble. It does. It should. Because that law still, even though I've been born again, that law still shows me I'm unholy in my flesh. That I, that I still have a flesh. And that I still, you're not perfect. Now, I know people, I've heard people say, well, I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm perfected. That must be nice to live perfect. It must be nice to be so holy. But I promise you, you get to looking into that Ark of the Covenant and you see the law of God, it'll show you even though you've been saved, you're still a sinner. You're saved by grace. Through faith. I'm glad there is a remedy for the law. And that remedy is a man. His name is Jesus. And His title is Christ. And He... He came out of the land of the living into the land of the dying. He came from above and He came to beneath. Now, he came from the power and the Spirit of God and He came in the form of a servant. He came where He knew no sin and He came to where He was made sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. 3,500 years ago, Moses built a box. Inside that box contained the law and the commandments of God that we're all guilty. Paul says in Romans that all are guilty and all have sinned. I don't know if you've noticed it, but the death rate is still 100%. Somebody died yesterday. Somebody will die today. Somebody will die tomorrow. Why? Because the law of God went forth and man could not keep it. And it brought death. And it still brings death. And the only way to escape that death is through the mercy seat. And our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's the way. That's the prescribed method. I don't know if you got anything out of it. I didn't deliver to you as good as it was delivered to me. But I hope you got something about the blood and about the law and about the ark and about the holiness of God. You dare stand before Him, dear friend, in judgment. I don't care how many times you attended service. I don't care how many times you read the Bible. I don't care how many times you cried out in prayer. You stand in judgment before a holy God without the blood covering your sins. Oh, you stand there with as the law. You will be annihilated. You stand to that lake which burneth forever. But you stand before Him and say, Lord God, I know I'm guilty, but the blood took away my guilt and my shame. That blood, because, because Your Son kept the law perfectly, and I believe and I trust in Him, His righteousness has now been imputed unto me. And I stand before God not guilty, because my judgment has been fulfilled. My sins have been nailed to the tree. My sins were passed upon my substitute that His righteousness 
could be passed upon me. You see how that works? You see how the law and the grace and the blood and the blood ran down the ark and the blood satisfied the law. It satisfied the judgment. You see how that works? That's the only way you can still be saved is by that blood. I beg you today, if God's dealing with you, would you come? Would you? What's preventing you, dear friend? Dear sinner, what's preventing you from making your way to this altar and beginning to cry out on the only one that can save you from the curse of that law? Would you come today as we stand and sing? Yeah.